Um, we're always looking to support everybody and anybody who's about positivity, ambition, creativity, and motivation, because that's what we're all about here on Got to Diva Radio. Also, yeah. quick shout-out to Jamila Joy and Marissa Dawn. Good job, ladies. <laughs> Saturday did a fantastic job at the Ash Out for Joy red carpet anniversary event. That was wonderful, and y'all treated me very nicely, and I was able to get on stage with other Internet radio personalities. And I wasn't expecting it at all. Thank God I had such a diva-fied outfit on because I was not expecting to be on stage. So thank God <laughs> I was Pam, when I said diva killed it with them pops you had on, she murdered them. Oh, thank you, thank you. I had made my shoes an hour before the before the show. Um, and I will start doing this because I was, I was skeptical about it, but a lot of people have been complimenting me on a lot of things that I've been wearing and I've been, you know, um, showcasing some of the little crafts that I do with my fashion. So I'm thinking about promoting that and letting you guys in on a couple of little secret tips and um, giving y'all some advice on fashion. Also, check out my blog post on GayRVA.com for fashion for the rest of the year, as well as I'm going to be doing stuff for Examiner.com. So stay tuned for that. And Bouye Villa and I will be doing video blogs. So we were doing relationship blogs. So check those out pretty soon. And I just uploaded some some videos, um, well, they're not complete. They're still loading up as we speak on YouTube from the Revelations at Sunset show that went down on October the 17th. Um, two quick things that I need to say. Um, some people are not going to like it, but whatever. Um, first of all, we went to the Black Beauty Expo this past Sunday. Initially, the idea was to cover the event, to promote what was going on in Richmond. It was happening at the convention center. You know when it comes to black beauty, I'm all about it. So we rushed over there, and the show started an hour and 15 minutes late. That is not cool, number one. Number two, we had <laughs> scheduled to cover this event over a month ago. And the organizers, unfortunately, did not put any reserved spaces to the side for me and my team. So we were kind of forced to stand up, and you're an hour late. So, uh-uh, um, I got to answer. So <laughs> then watching the show, I was not happy with the level of um, talent that was on the stage in regards to modeling. And this is just a tip for all you aspiring models or uh, current models right now. If you're truly professional, please do not act like this is a Kanye West music video. Stop bouncing so much. I need to take a picture of you when you get to the end of the runway. Showcasing your booty and your assets is not cool. How can I take a picture of the outfit that you are supposed to be promoting on your body when you throw your behind at the audience when you get to the end of the runway? Can somebody please watch America's Next Top Model so that you can get some type of skills? I mean, that's how I learned. And and I, well, I did well, if I say so myself, when I did the Curves at Full Throttle Show. So, Indeed. I mean, <laughs> just just get on your P's and Q's. This is really, I'm just starting to get very disappointed with how we carry and conduct ourselves. And I'm going to start doing some posts about that because I just think, in my opinion, that we should just be a little bit more elegant, a little bit more sophisticated and professional when we're having these events. We get too comfortable and too lax, and it turns, and it, it's just not good. Second thing, 
I'm, like I said earlier, I'm always about promoting everybody on the show or on the website or whatever. And it really doesn't matter. We try to, um, you know, practice diversity, and we try to be uh, respectful to everybody. You know, we had um, Imani the Misfit on a couple of weeks ago, and a lot of people didn't agree with what he was about. But at the same time, he had the right to be heard. With all this that I'm doing, I don't ask for any money. I don't ask for any compensation. I don't ask for favors. I don't ask for anything. I'm doing this because you deserve it. If you're that talented and you have this going on and you have a message that you want to deliver to people, I want to give you that opportunity to express that. However, if you don't take the time out to send me the information that is required to be on my show, do not expect me to call you two or three times in a month trying to get you on my show. There are plenty of individuals who are emailing me and calling me, and I don't have time for that. I take my job very seriously, and I may not be Oprah right now, but I'm getting there. Please respect the hustle and and do what you're asked to do, and and don't sit here and play games with my team. Don't have them calling you back and forth because we're not. We're going to move on. And, of course, we would love to give – First, the first seats to the people in our local area, and that's Richmond, Virginia. But if Richmond, Virginia is not going to stand up, then by all means, I will pick somebody out of Minnesota or California or D.C. or Maryland because I'm going to go for those people who are serious about what they're doing. I'm not just going to pick my neighbors or my homeboys just because. This is a business, and it's not personal. And if you have any questions or comments for me, you can always hit me up on Facebook, uh, facebook.com, Diva, or you can tweet me at um, twitter.com, Diva. I'm always looking for suggestions, comments, or questions, and we can, you know, have a, a adult dialogue back and forth. But other than that, um, we have some important sports news that Bouyerville is forced to tell everyone today. Um, you had an assignment. Go ahead, Bunye Villa. Get get into it. It is a happy day, and it's also a sad day. Oh, God. It's happy because the Cowboys lost. Yeah! <laughs> but, but who won? The, the, who won? But the, the, the messed up news is that the, the Green, I'm about to say the Green Bay, but the Giants. That's right, suckers. Yeah. The New York Giants yeah. won again. They freaking okay? won. We so, do not play. Michael Strahan may not be with us anymore, but we still maintain <laughs> that gap to divaness. Always. <laughs> Always. Wow. <laughs> anyway, yeah, so they won, and they're on the top of the okay. NFC East. Okay. But okay. those Redskins are right behind them at the two spot. Exactly, exactly. So oh, I don't want to waste down. any more time. I don't want to waste because I'm so excited about our guest tonight. We have Danny Kofke on the show. He's the author of How to Survive and Perhaps Thrive on a Teacher's Salary. And when I heard his story, I was amazed because, um, from my understanding, he had a very lucrative job, and he left this job with a lot of money to do something that he was passionate about. And don't we all just wish we could do that? I mean, I woke up this morning with that same exact feeling, like if somebody came and offered me a job that was paying even a dollar, less than what I was making, I would tell my boss, 
peace out in a minute because I'm just so tired of working at <laughs> I want a job that I wake up and forget that it's payday. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm ready to go to work. I'm ready to have a good time. And I just don't want to leave. Time goes by too fast. I'm having too much fun. And when I get my paycheck, I'm surprised. Like, oh, wow, they pay me this much to do this? It's just, it just does not make sense. <laughs> Why can't I have that lifestyle? I don't understand. Maybe because I'm so naive. This is what one of my older colleagues or constituents at work say, you're so naive, you're 25, you think that everything's supposed to be fine. I'm sorry, but I refuse to believe that my career is something that I'm supposed to hate and, and feel suicidal about. And that's just exactly <laughs> what my job is right now. No disrespect to the city of Richmond, but you guys are slowly killing me. Um, So <laughs> let's go ahead and get Danny on the line and hear what he has to say. I'm so excited. Hello, Danny. Hello. Hi. How are you? We make them we make them clap on demand. Don't you just love there, that? There you go, absolutely. <laughs> So I'm so glad that you, um, you know, wanted to be on the show. We would love to hear your story. First of all, let's just start from the beginning. Tell us okay. the background. All right. Um, I am currently a special education teacher. This is uh, my 11th year teaching. I have also taught kindergarten, first grade, second grade before uh, getting into special education. And, you know, I think most people get into the teaching profession because, first and foremost, we have a passion for it. Um, you know, there are a lot of negative stories out there right now. I know it's a, a pretty hot topic with the, the Waiting for Superman documentary. And, you know, there are some bad teachers, unfortunately. But when you look at most of us, I mean, you know, the money, it's not that great. It's hard to complain right now because a lot of people are struggling and a lot of people are hurting. But, mm-hmm. you know, most don't, you know, don't get into it and say, gosh, I'm going to become a teacher so I can make a lot of money. I mean, over time you can do well, but first and foremost you have to have the passion for it, I think, to get into it if you want to be an effective teacher. So, you know, that's kind of, you know, where I am right now. And my wife was a school teacher, and she is now a stay-at-home mom. We have two little girls, so she stays at home with them, and we do it all on my teaching salary, and we have for the last six years now. So you're the only you, – you bring in the only income in the household – and Correct. you have two children. Correct. And I mean, can can we ask you how much is your salary? Yeah, um I'm, I'm yeah, that's fine. Um I make now it's a little bit over forty thousand dollars a year. Y- wow. The, wow. Two kids? Mhm. Yep, three now, and six. Is, is the cost of living where you are is it is it very low? I mean, how how are you managing? I mean, it just depends on, you know, where it's compared to. We're about an hour outside of Atlanta. So, I mean, you know, compared to the Northeast or whatever, yes, it's, you know, lower. But, um, you know, we had a goal when uh, we were married 10 years ago. And one of our goals, you know, at that time Tracy was a school teacher too, and one of our goals was eventually when we had children that we wanted her to be able to stay at home. And, you know, at that time we didn't know how many kids we were going to have or, you know, how long she was going to be able to stay at home. 
But while she was teaching, we pretty much tried to live off of one salary and use the other one to pay off the debt that we had and build up that emergency fund to put ourselves in the position that we could live off of $40,000 a year and, you know, have a family. And, you know, like I said, we really didn't know how long she was going to be able to stay at home. But after we had our first child, she really, really loved being a stay-at-home mom, which, you know, I didn't know if she was or not. She was a very career-driven woman and, you know, a wonderful teacher, teacher of the year twice, probably was going to be in administration eventually. But she just loved being a stay-at-home mom. So, you know, we were fortunate that we worked so hard to build up that savings that, you know, now six years later, another child later, that she is still able to uh, to remain at home and raise our children. And better yet, I get to go to a job that I love. I mean, you know, there's some days that aren't as good as others, and that's with any job. But I feel like I was put on this earth to teach, and, wow. um, you know, th- that's what wow. I get to do. And then I was also able to write a book on how to survive on a teacher's salary. So not only now do I get to teach children, but now I kind of get to extend it out, and I get to teach adults and help them too. And, you know, obviously with my book, the target audience was teachers, but when the economy started to turn, I thought, you know, wh- why not extend this out to other professions that get into it because they have a passion for it, first and foremost, even if the pay isn't that large? Your nurses, uh-huh. police officers, firefighters, small business owners, you know, people just getting a start. But just to show them, you know, that, that you can do okay financially and that, you know what, if I can do it, then you can too because I'm not a financial expert. I'm not a financial major. I have never even taken a financial class in my life, but yet we still do well financially. And I think, you know, a lot of times we hear on TV and on the radio and the newspapers and, you know, bad news sells, but we do hear all these negative stories of, you know, how people are struggling. And I know people, you know, they are struggling right now, but, you know, I personally feel that when we just constantly give them this bad news and this negativity, that it does nothing for them to boost them up and want to make them accomplish something and try harder. So, that's kind of where I want to go with my story is just, you know, kind of give people some hope, especially right now when a lot of people are struggling, to just show them that, you know what, you can do it. It doesn't have to be that difficult. Now, well, I, from my understanding, I, I read something about you used to work in flooring or something where you were making yeah, a lot actually, of money. Yes, um, it was um, shortly um, after I think my oldest daughter at that time was one, and uh, mm-hmm. that was after Tracy had stayed home for that that first year. And I had a chance; it was a good friend of mine managed a high end flooring company, and they hired me on to sell flooring. And I did not want to get out of the teaching profession, but mm-hmm. with commission, I you know could earn up to a hundred thousand dollars a year compared to at that time I was making like thirty eight in the classroom. And you know I thought I, I kind of have to take this chance just for my family. You know I have to go out and try it. And, you know, it it was such a hard thing for me because I went from teaching first grade. And for your listeners, you know, that don't know, first grade, you know, it's probably one of the most difficult grades to teach, but yet one of the most rewarding because we had, you know, I had students come in at the beginning of the year that didn't know how to write any letters, let alone read. And Mm -hmm. nine months later, they're reading chapter books. And, you know, that, you can't really put a price on that. So I went from doing that to selling $5,000 area rugs. And I I was (laughs) a horrible salesperson because I personally did not care if someone bought an area rug because I didn't really think that it was that important. And, you know, it was a few months of doing that, and I was making a little more money, 
But uh, Tracy's, you know, she just said, you've really lost the spark. I can see it that you just, you know, you're not very content. And, you know, we kind of had a heart-to-heart, and I just said, I could make a million dollars a year doing this, but I'm not as happy as I was making, you know, $38,000 a year in the classroom. And then a few months later, I, I, I was lucky enough to be able to get back in the classroom and haven't looked back since. Well, let me ask you this. In in your opinion, do you feel that doing a job that you're not passionate passionate about and that you have no feelings, you know, whether or not your client, your customers or your clients buy furniture or flooring or whatever, do you think that affects you when you're at home with your family because you're not oh, happy the 9 hours that you were at work? Absolutely. I mean, you know, and some people are fine with it. And I don't want to make it a blanket statement because there are some people that are fine with working to buy things. I mean, and that, and if that's you, then have at it. You know, I have no problem with that. But, you know, I look at, you know, right now we are probably, if not the wealthiest country, one of the wealthiest countries on earth. But yet how many people do we know have to go see a psychiatrist because they're unhappy? Oh, and, yeah. and that's the thing. When you spend, you know, most of us spend, unfortunately, the most of our, our time is at work, you know. And if you don't like what you are doing, you know, I definitely think it does ooze over into those other aspects of your life. And, you know, you probably know people, and I know people, that when Monday morning rolls around, they have to hit that snooze button five, ten times because they don't want to get out of bed to go Monday, to work. Monday, that's every day. <laughs> right. Monday through Friday. You know, but but to me, even if you make, you know, $500,000 a year, but you hate Monday through Friday, I don't really think you're a wealthy person, and I don't really care how much your bank account has in it. So I think, you know, people are, I think at least with this, you know, recession that we're in, they are starting to see that a little bit. And, and more and more people are starting to learn about financial matters and realizing that money is not the end-all, be-all. It's not that it's not important. I think it's very important, but when we place it as the number one thing, a lot of people, you know, find out that it leads to discontentment, and, you know, then they're miserable people. I mean, there are plenty of people that have a lot of money that are completely miserable, and on the other end, there are a lot of people that don't make a large salary but are very happy. There was actually just, um, I was researching the, the top 10 most gratifying jobs, and nine of them made under $75,000 a year. And, wow. and it was just very interesting to me. And there was a study, I don't know if you saw it, it came out at the end of last month. But uh-huh. the happiness factor, it said people that make $75,000 a year, that's, they, they are pretty much the happiest people. And, you know, you can kind of understand, you know, compare $75,000 a year to someone that makes, you know, $30,000 a year. Uh-huh. Well, you can see why they would be happier. But someone that makes seventy five grand a year is just as happy as someone that makes $375,000 a year. And this was, you know, a pretty large study. So it just kind of opened my eyes. And I thought, gosh, it just definitely shows that, you know, it is important to have money. And, you know, seventy five grand a year, you know, that that's a lot of money, especially to me. But, you know, for a lot of people, that really isn't that much money. So it just shows that you don't really need to make a lot to have contentment and feel, you know, that your job is, is satisfying to you. And you know what, that, that's very interesting because the fact that you you have this information, it, that, a lot of people are not privy to this. All you see is luxury. Every time you turn the TV on, it's luxury, luxury. With these hard times and people are struggling, I think these are the only reasons why they're keeping these terrible jobs or the jobs that bring them no happiness because of the fact that they're trying to get they're trying to keep up with the Joneses all the time. So right. can you explain to us how are you doing this? How are you maintaining? Because I've seen, like, pictures. You guys were out on vacation and stuff. Like, how do you do that? Well, 
You know, what, what we do, yeah, <laughs> we, um, what we tell ourselves, you know, we just can't have it all. And I think in our country especially, we are. We're just used to, you know, doing everything and having everything, and we have to limit ourselves. We, you know, have choices that we have to make to do the things that we want to do, and we just weigh the options, and whatever's more important is what we work towards. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm like anyone. If I see someone next to me driving a BMW, of course I want it. I mean, don't get me wrong. I would love to have that, but, you know, I, I tell myself when we come home and Tracy and I will talk, we can have anything we want, but there's going to have to be some changes. Either, A, I'm going to have to get out of teaching and get a higher-paying job. Then they're done that, didn't like it. Mm-hmm. B, I'm going to have to get a second job. When I'm not going to be able to see my family as much, or see mm-hmm. Tracy's going to have to go back to work. And in the six years that she has stayed at home, there has not been one materialistic item that has made us want to change the way we're currently living. Wow, wow. So yeah. And that's, you know, that's the thing. You know, because, I mean, let's say if you go out and buy a brand new pair of shoes, mm-hmm. the first, you know, five, six, seven times you wear them, you absolutely, it feels great and it's wonderful. But after six, seven, eight times of wearing them, that feeling of newness goes away. And if you base your sense of happiness and your sense of self-worth. You've obviously never seen my shoes. On that, okay. <laughs> or, yeah, well, you know, whatever, you know, I mean, you know, pers- whatever it is. But a lot of people, you know, jewelry, whatever, yeah. if you base your sense of worth on that, it gets old after a while. I mean, mm-hmm. how many of us have looked in our closets and said, I don't have anything to wear today, but yet you have 100 shirts staring back at you? You know, I, I mean, it's just one of those morning. things. But there you go. See, and at one time you liked it because you bought it, but then that feeling of newness goes away. And I think that's what, you know, has happened to a lot of people and why our country is in the, the financial mess that we are in is that people feel discontentment in their lives, whether it's spiritually, emotionally, with their jobs, their spouse, whatever. But mm-hmm. then they buy things to give them a false sense of happiness, and then that feeling goes away after a time, and then you just have to constantly buy something to give, get it back. Yeah, you're right. I think it's called what retail therapy or something. Yeah, I mean <laughs> you're right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Every it seems like every week I'm leaving my job just really upset, and then I just go into a, a store and buy some clothes or something, and I just feel a whole lot better. But then I'm I'm a little broker than I was before. Right, and then I'm you go watching. back to work Monday, and you're in the same position again where you're unhappy. You know what I, I mean? That it's just a vicious, vicious cycle. And I think when we look for, you know, happiness or contentment in the wrong places, it catches up to us. And, you know, the the bottom line is it really doesn't – I mean, it, it helps if you make more money, but no matter how much money you make, if you spend more, you know, than you have coming in, you're going to be in trouble. And you can look at famous athletes. Look at Michael Jackson. I mean, it, mm-hmm. it's a pretty big example, but, you know, how much money he made in his life, but yet when he passed away – he was something like four million, forty million, four hundred million dollars in debt. And you know, I mean, no I know sense. it's a drastic example, but it just kind of shows that if you constantly spend and you're not, you know, you're overspending and spending more than you earn, it doesn't matter how much you make, you're going to be in trouble. So, what tips do you have? For, well, first of all, what do you say to someone who is working in a job who may, you know, be making seventy-five thousand or eighty thousand dollars a year, but they're completely unhappy? I mean. This is a pretty big risk, you know, to leave what you what you consider is financial stability to right. go to something that gives you to give you, that gives you happiness, but you know brings the income in the household down a, a lot. 
Well, you have to prepare, and it's not a pill that you can take, and it's not going to happen overnight. And I, you know, we're so used to it. You know, we're such. I see it. I want it. I'm going to buy it right now, or I want it changed immediately. You know, that doesn't happen a lot of times. You have to work on this. So, I mean, for someone that is looking to get into a different career that makes less money, then you're going to have to scale back on what you spend and prepare yourself for that day that you are making less money so you can still live. And that's, you know, you kind of have to look at the bigger picture and have some long-term goals and work towards those. And, you know, right now with a lot of people, I mean, driving, you know, a too fancy of a car or living in a house that you shouldn't be living in, I mean, that is a given. You're going to be in trouble eventually. But I think for most people, it's those day-to-day purchases that you don't even think about that add up so fast over time that put us in financial difficulty. Um, For example, let's just say Monday through Friday, you eat lunch out every day. We're not going to say it's a lot. We'll say $5 a pop. You're probably not going to think twice about spending $5, not even going, you know, give it any thought whatsoever. So at the end of the week, that's $25 you spent, that's $100 a month, that's $1,300 a year on lunch. Now, you know, for me, $1,300 can go a long way. So I think, you know, the number one thing, and this is what I tell people, and it's not going to be easy to do, but try for one month, walk around with a piece of paper and a pencil and write down everything you spend. And then at the end of the month, you're able to sit down. It's in black and white. It's your handwriting. You spent the money, and you can analyze and see exactly how you are spending your money. And, you know, you'll be so surprised. I mean, we did it ourselves when we first got married, and there were so many things, you know, going out for breakfast a couple times a month or going to the movies every weekend or, you know, getting coffee out a few times a week. Whatever it is, it's in black and white. It's in front of you, and then you're able to cut back because, you know, there's only two ways to have more money. You either have to earn more. And right now, let's face it, there you know it's possible you can get a, a higher paying job, but it's not as easy as it was years ago. So uh-huh. the other way is to cut back on what you're spending money on, which puts more money you know back in your bank account. Now this might seem like a personal question, but are you guys on any federal financial assistance at all, or do, you know are you getting any food stamps or no? Maybe we don't liquor? qualify. I mean just. Food stamps, I mean, because that is based on your savings and everything and how much savings, you know, you have. And so, no, we, we don't get any of that. And, you know, we're just um, – we do get free and reduced lunch for the kid, for my oldest daughters at school. And, you know, it's kind of one of those things that I'm not – you know, I'm not a big proponent of, you know, taking money from someone from the government. I kind of want to take care of myself, but, I mean, I just filled out the paperwork, and I just filled in what my annual salary is, and based on the income and having two kids, you know, it kind of, we get it. So, I mean, you know, we still pay for it, but, you know, we get it at a reduced rate. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, no, no, other than that, no, we're not. Wow. So, I mean, yeah. what what type type of budget tips besides writing down, Mm-hmm. what you spend that, you know, you can offer to the listeners. Well, another huge thing which, you know, helped us so much, especially before we had kids, we don't, you know, we do it now with the debit card, but um, we went to a cash-only system, and we did that pretty much, it was probably for the first four years of our marriage. After we analyzed how much money we spent in a month, and we're able to cut it back a little bit and, you know, come up with a weekly spending plan and a weekly spending amount of how much money we needed each week for groceries, for transportation. And, you know, we were able to have a little leftover for entertainment. I think that's important. I don't think, you know, you should sit at home and do nothing if you're able to go out and do something. Uh-huh. So what we would do is every Friday we'd go to the ATM machine and pull that exact amount in cash. So that was the money we had to spend for the week. So let's just say next week it got to be, you know, Wednesday and we didn't have any money left. 
well, we're not going out to dinner. We're going to eat Fruit Loops or leftovers or whatever. We're not going to be able to go out or spend money until Friday comes around. And it took a while to come up with an accurate figure. And, you know, we had to play with it for a little bit. It wasn't something that happened overnight. But Mm -hmm. this helped so much because for a lot of people, the the reason people are in trouble, you know, I think financially, 80% of it is emotions. Emotions take over and you don't think about it. The math is not that difficult. I mean, if you put $100 on a credit card with 24% interest, you don't make a minimum, you don't make any payments all year, well, the next year you're going to owe $124. You know, 24% of 100 is 24, so add it to the 100. So the math, most of us can do the math, but yet we still use credit cards and buy things we shouldn't. Why? Mm -hmm. Because the emotions. When you use a cash-only system, here come the emotions. Most of us know how hard we work. We know how much sweat goes into it, the early mornings we have to put in, the late nights, whatever. Mm-hmm. So when you try to part with a, you know, a Benjamin Franklin, it is a lot more difficult to do that than it is swiping a piece of plastic through a machine. So using cash only when you're able to figure out how much you need on that weekly basis and using the cash only, it prevents, for most people, prevents you from overspending. And there was actually a study done that um, shows that you'll spend 12 to 18% less when you use cash compared to a credit card. Wow. Wow. Yeah, I mean, just think, I mean, next time try it. Yeah, next time you go to the store, try paying with cash instead of credit card. And you, most people usually think twice. It at least gives you a little caution, whereas when you are swiping the piece of plastic, most of us don't even think about it, and then we get that credit card bill at the end of the month and we're not able, able to pay it, bam, Ouch. and then we're stuck. We're paying that interest, uh-huh. interest, interest, and then it's so hard. You know, people don't realize if you – say you wanted to upgrade your living room and you went out and spent $5,000 to do that. You put it on a credit card that had a 24% APR. If you just made the minimum monthly payment every single month on that $5,000 balance, by the time that loan is paid off, you'll spend over $19,000. Wow. Wow. I mean, that's why we... How did you go from 5000 to 19 Because we got 24% interest. Oh, wow. Yeah, that interest is a killer. Oh, yeah, yeah, I mean, why do you think we were getting all those credit? I mean, right now it's changed a little bit because people were defaulting on payments, so the credit card companies aren't sending out as many. But you think about four or five years ago, I know personally I was getting about five or six credit card you know, applications a week in the mail. So, you know, they're making money, and that's why they send them out to you because they make a lot of money off of you. Wow, wow. Then, then you know, one thing I wanted to uh, just to put out there and say that I think is really important too, is that um, you and your wife have, you know, you're working together this, and you created a system that both of you were involved in, you know, and, and you're both making it work. Um, right. Not as opposed to one person's trying to do it and the other person is not trying to do it. So there's going to be conflicting lines. Um, you know, it's making a lot of things harder. Um, so in this particular answer, this, this case, you know, it, it worked out very well for you, so... Absolutely. Communication, that is the key. I mean, that is the key to our success. If I was the one that was the tightwad and said we can't spend money, but yet Tracy was the one that wanted to go out and buy coach bags and all this, it would be it would be very resentful. I mean, if I said, okay, I'm, I'm working, I'm you know trying to save our money, and then someone is going and spending it all, it wouldn't work. And we would kind of grow and resent each other, 
and it just would go up and come. And that's why, you know, financial reasons, I think I just read a study, it's something about marriages that end in the first five years, 90% are due to financial troubles. And I think that's yeah. what happens. Because, you know, naturally in a relationship, you probably are going to have someone that is more of a spender, and you're going to have someone that likes to save. I mean, that's just kind of a, usually the way it happens. But if you can sit down and have that open line of communication, it prevents so many, you know, it, it prevents problems from coming up because you're talking about it. And when you work on something together, too, as a couple, like with, you know, what we did years ago, we worked hard together at doing that. We got made fun of. I mean, this was when times were good. We had one car for three years. I rode my bike to work some days, and people laughed at me and said, get off your wallet, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I knew, and then when we'd go home and talk about it, we knew we were working towards a goal together, and, you know, right now we're seeing that. So all the hard work that we did, now we get to reap that. And just as a couple, it makes us so much stronger because we accomplished it together. And then we kind of know, you know what, if we work hard together, we can do some pretty cool things. Wow. Now, I knew a, a couple a while ago who uh, the wife was a at-home mother. Well, I, no, she did, they didn't even have children at the time. The, the wife was just at home um, taking care of the house, and the husband would go out and work. But um, when he came home and with his income, he would give her an allowance. Is that something that you do? Do you all work that out as far as finances? I mean- no, I, I mean, I look at her, she's my wife, she's not my child, you know there what I mean? Go. I don't give an allowance. <laughs> I feel like, I mean, it, my it's not my money, it's our money, and we've okay. always looked at it like that. Because when you look at it like, okay, I work and this is my money, it, it just to me it demeans her. And it, uh-huh. it, I'm kind of saying that what you're doing isn't as important as what I'm doing, so I'm going to give you my money. So we don't really you know, ever do that. Unfortunately, you know, for her, a stay-at-home mom is probably one of the most difficult jobs, and it doesn't Mm -hmm. pay anything. And Mm -hmm. I know how hard it is. I was actually able, when uh, my first daughter was um, first born, I stayed home for a few months. We did the Family Medical Leave Act. So I got to see, which was great for me, I got to see how hard it is to run a household because that is a common thing, especially for men that work, and then they come home, and, you know, there's toys everywhere, and there's a mess, and you think, gosh, what did you do all day? Just watch Oprah and, you know, just do Mm -hmm. do nothing. And (laughs) You know, it was important for me to be able to see that, that, you know what, no, she is working very hard and doing a lot of things. So I think, you know, the allowance to me, I don't know, it just didn't work for us. I mean, if it works for other people, you know, have at it, that's fine. But for us, everything is together. It's our things, our money, because, I mean, when it comes down to the end, too, you know, don't ever think it would happen. But, I mean, if something happened and we were ever to divorce, I mean, it's our money together. I mean, we're getting it half and half. There's no, okay, she worked, I worked, whatever. It's our stuff. So I just kind of run it like that, too, that, you know, everything we have is ours. And you know what, that's a, that's a really good mentality to have with the, this day and age when everybody is so for self. Even married couples um, are so for self that they don't they don't share funds and stuff. They have separate bank accounts. They have separate everything. The fact that you all are discussing this together and sharing and, and that you consider it to be, you know, the money for the both of you and not just yours, I think will make it a lot easier. Now, you are saving. Is that correct? You're putting money to the side so that you're not living paycheck to paycheck, I'm assuming. 
No, we still um I mean, we built up our emergency fund while Tracy was working, so we don't, you know, still contribute to that, but we do invest um every single month. We have a Roth IRA for our retirements and we also invest a little, not a lot, but we have a little amount every month that we invest for the girls' college, you know. I don't know if it's going to be able to cover all of it, but um mm-hmm. but yeah, we we still are able to um, you know, to do that. And that's a, an, another important thing too where you know, it's such a, a way to build wealth that if you can just, it's called dollar cost averaging, but every single month, it could be $100 a month that you just invest in mutual funds, and you let that grow. You keep doing that, and you let that grow. 30 years down the road, you could be looking at, you know, $300,000. So, it, it you know, it's just, it, it's called, you know, the magic of compound interest and how it just, it's kind of the reverse of what you pay when you pay credit cards. When you're paying that interest and it adds up over time, this is kind of the reverse of that, that you're actually investing money for yourself and that it will grow over time. And, you know, once again, I really, you know, Social Security might be there when I retire. I don't know what's going to happen with that. But I want to take care of myself, and I want to be able to know, you know what, when I'm 65 years old, you know, if I'm ready to retire, I want to have money set aside that I'm able to do that so I can make choices for myself and not let, you know, Washington, D.C. dictate what I'll be able to do. Wow. Now, you said you didn't you didn't go to school for this, that, you know, you're not considered an expert on this, but you seem to have a wealth of information. What do you suggest to those people who are currently living paycheck to paycheck? It's, I mean, they can't just wake up tomorrow and start, you know, working on, you know, getting to where you are right now because you sound like you've been doing this for a while. But right. what are the first steps that they need to take to go from paycheck to paycheck to being in the situation that you and Tracy are in? I think, number one, realize why you are paycheck to paycheck. Why are you buying things? You know, it's kind of similar, you know, to weight. Money and weight are very similar. Most of us know we shouldn't go to McDonald's and get the number two and supersize it, but a lot of us do and because it makes us feel good for a moment. But then we have that regret later on. So I think the same thing holds true with money. First, figure out why, you know, why are you living paycheck to paycheck? Now, I mean, if you're making, you know, $15,000 a year, it's pretty obvious. You're going to have to get a higher-paying job or get a second job. But for a lot of people, they are making a lot of money but still living paycheck to paycheck. So we need to figure out why we are spending that money. That's the first step. And then number two, you know, I would go back to track the spending. See how you are spending that money because if you don't know how, you know, what you're doing with your money, how can you have it work for you? If you have no clue, and I've talked to people, they don't even balance their checkbooks, and they just wait for the bank statement at the end of the month, and then come to find out they get hit with, you know, three or four overdraft fees at $30 a pop, and there's, you know, $120 that they pretty much just wasted. There is no use in that at all. So that is a key is just, you know, find out, you know, why you're spending the money, but then track your spending. Track it all to see if there are areas in your life that you can cut back on. And I know, you know, an easy example right now for a lot of people are cell phones. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I see people that they come to me and they say, I don't have any money, but yet they have an iPhone and they're always connected to the Internet. If you need it for your job and you need it for work, (laughs) you know, have at it. But if you're coming and you're saying you don't have any money, I mean, my cell phone, seriously, I, I, there are third graders that have a nicer cell phone than I do. I have never, ever <laughs> sent a text message in my entire life, but yet I have been on national TV. People are able to get a hold of me when they need to. And I'm not trying to brag, but I'm just saying there are some things that, you know, we tend to think that we need, whereas you think 10 years ago, 
there wasn't even cell phones that really could text, or you couldn't get on the Internet using your cell phone. Cell phones, you know, 10 years ago, you couldn't even take pictures. Most cell phones couldn't take pictures. And now so, I can't even you know, look at a phone that doesn't take pictures. Exactly. <laughs> I know. Isn't that crazy? I mean, and the reason I think that, because I think back to, like, 9-11, and uh-huh. you don't see any pictures, you know, from cell phones of 9-11. And you know if yeah. that happened today, you would see a bunch of those in videos exactly. and everything. So it's just one of those things. And like I said, I mean, if you need it for your job, have at it. But if you're saying that you don't have any money, you know, th- those are some things that we're really going to have to look at and what really is a need compared to what is a want. And see, and that's exactly what I was talking about when I was saying, like, when you turn the TV on or when you go out, all you see is these luxury items. And I'm going to be the first to tell you, that when I see my phone on TV, I, I gotta have that phone. Like <laughs> it, it, it does everything. It's a laptop I, I that I can talk on. Go, go. <laughs> but um, my supervisor um, a while ago, she had her cell phone on on her desk, and all it had was just buttons. It was just one through nine. I was like, "What does your phone do?" And she was like, "It makes phone calls." <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Yeah, isn't that a novel idea, huh? Just throw that away. <laughs> that doesn't do anything. But um, it's like holding a VCR. <laughs> like, it's crazy. Right, right. But, but I well, you know, and the thing is, Madison Avenue. I paid, um, I had Sprint for a while, and I was paying like maybe 140 some dollars a month. And when, when my contract was uh, about to come, you know, come due, like, you know what, I had to do some research um, on a you know just a phone and something that I can afford without even blinking at it. So I end up buying a straight talk phone from Walmart uh, for forty five dollars a month. Um, you have unlimited text. Four one one calls are free. All information calls are free. Uh, you have unlimited calls international, and you have unlimited data on the internet. So what else? I mean, what I mean that's achievable. so you're saying. Basically, Dan, to be more practical with the purchases that you make. Yes. I mean, you know, if you can afford it, then have at it. But when you say you don't have the money, that's where you really have to look at everything. I mean, for us, I mean, I'm I'm in the minority, and I just use my cell phone for emergencies only. My school's like two miles down the road, so I don't really need it. But we Uh did have an elaborate cell phone plan. This was a few years ago. We were paying $50 a month. And I never used it. I mean, maybe twice a month. So I'm, I'm thinking, okay, we are fifty dollars a month, and that was elaborate. Well, for us, I mean, yeah, well, oh we didn't God. use it at all, you know. I'm, so I my dropped cell it phone bill have... is two hundred and fifteen dollars a month. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> and that's for two phones, but Man. that's still a lot. Two hundred and fifteen dollars a month for my cell phone, and it, right. of course, it's unlimited everything, but. That I cannot. I think everybody has a lower cell phone bill than me. I think I'm not a yeah. company out there, but they're jacking yeah. me. <laughs> that's uh, that's wow. uh, a car lease payment. Oh my goodness! Okay, <laughs> so you're gonna have to teach me. But go ahead. <laughs> well, I mean, I was in that boat too, and you know, I mean, it wasn't that much, but you know, fifty dollars a month, and we weren't using it. So you know, we cut it back. We both have prepaid cell phones now, and. I average about $10 a month. Like I said, I'm in the minority. It's a, you know, I never really use it, but it's something that I don't need. I've never felt the need to have it. So I think that's just where we kind of have to look at the overall big picture. Some people need their cell phones, and that's fine, but there uh-huh. might be some other areas of their lives, you know, that they could cut out. I, I think, which, you know, if you can afford it, it's fine, but you think about satellite TV. I mean, we have satellite TV. We probably have 
I don't know what, 350 channels we can watch. Out of all those 350 channels, I probably watch 10 of them. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. So then I think, do I really need 350? I mean, and like I said, we can afford it, so it's okay. But if, it, if times were tough, that's the first thing that's going because I yes. don't really need it. But I think because, like you said, we watch TV, Madison Avenue spends billions of dollars every year to get our money, so they put things on that we think, oh, we have to have this. This is going to make our life so much better. It's going to mm-hmm. make it so much easier. And then we just get accustomed to having it, and we feel like, okay, this is a necessity, when a lot of times the things that we do feel that way about truly aren't. I mean, really, basically, you need food, water, shelter, clothing, you know? I mean, those are the necessities to start off with, and I think a lot of people have gotten away from that, and we just feel like we, we, uh, you know, we deserve things. I hear that a lot. Okay, I work hard. I deserve this, and you know, Mm -hmm. like I said, if you can afford it, then fine, but I don't really think any of us deserve anything. We kind of deserve what we get for ourselves and what we go out and buy, so just one of those things, that, that mentality, I think, has gotten us you know, in a bad way. I mean, uh-huh. I see it in the schools. You know, we have kids now that think, you know, it's a tragedy when their iPod battery dies. And, you know, that's not real Or when world, they don't but... have the latest pair of sneakers. Right. I mean, and that that's just not real world. And I think if there is a silver lining to the me- the economic mess we're in, I think people are realizing that slowly, slowly, is that, you know, especially with the kids, we've been feeding them this stuff for so long and we give them everything they want. And it's this been this big self-esteem thing for the last 10 years it's you know whether you finish in first place or 35th place you get the same trophy and we're all winners and i mean i don't know that to me is (laughs) false things and then we we have a generation that kind of thinks that they're owed certain things and they haven't Mm -hmm. done i mean you think about a lot of people that when they first start out and they buy their starter home a lot of people right now their starter home is bigger than their parents house who have lived in there for 30 years and have worked 30 years to earn that house. And I think it's just this kind of mentality, and it probably is a lot to do with the media too, but we see it, and then we think that we need that too to make our life fulfilled and happy and, you know, have that gate out in front and the perfect family picture, but yet inside we're drowning in debt and we're miserable. Wow, wow. It's like all on the outside it looks good, but when you actually look in those books, they're all in the red. Right. They fight and argument every night. Exactly. Now, you're not, are you doing any, like, extreme things? Like, um, well, this is not extreme because I do this myself, but, like, shopping at thrift stores or yard sales and stuff like that to save money, or are you just pretty much, you know, like the regular Walmart shoppers like everybody else? Yeah, I mean, we do thrift stores sometimes. Actually, something that's really, and we, and Tracy, I mean, i got to give it, and this is something that stay-at-home moms can do because you do have a little more time to be able to do it, is just using the coupons. She started this year really, really focusing, and it took a while to get it set up. But so far in this calendar year, we've saved over $1,500 by using coupons. Wow. Because stores, I mean, you can really do some damage. And, and I mean, there are times that <laughs> they'll have double the coupons, and we'll get stuff that's completely free just because of it. So it's something that, you know, it takes some time to set up and prepare and do some research. But when you're able to do that and you just shop the bargains, you mm-hmm. can really save some money. Wow. Are you really going to teach me? One of the things I would definitely say is that, um, you know, once people get it, they start to see savings coming over a period of time, mm-hmm. then they're going to start doing it. Right. Yeah. It, right. You once know, you it's, get success. It's almost mm-hmm. like, uh, you know, they're getting a reward at the end of the tunnel as opposed to doing something and there's nothing there when they get there. Right. 
Right. Once you build that momentum, and that's the thing, a lot of people throughout life, and, and financial topics are usually a taboo topic. I mean, even at my church, my minister, you know, told me I had a, I, he was he let me do a financial presentation, but he said you wouldn't believe there are people that come to me that say, you know, my husband's on drugs, he's cheating on me, he's everything, but. Finances is one thing people are still not willing to talk about because they're embarrassed and they're hurt and they don't understand it. So once you are able to start getting, you know, get control of your finances, it just boosts your self-esteem so much and you think, gosh, I, I never thought I could do this, but I can do this. And then you just take another step and another step. And, you know, like I said before, it doesn't happen overnight. I mean, it's not okay. something, a magic pill that you can swallow and all of a sudden, you, you know, you're going to change. It does take some time to do it. But once you start getting that snowball going, you can kind of turn it into an avalanche, and you're just, you know, going down that mountain really fast, and you're you're building up, you know, that self-esteem, and you're doing so much better financially. Wow, wow! And like you were saying earlier, putting some money to the side can make a difference too. I mean, but for those individuals who, um, I don't know, smoke or drink on a regular basis, if you just cut that back, not only are you saving your life. But, you know, you're saving money as well because I don't know where, where you are, but in Richmond, like, a pack of cigarettes is like $5. So right. Yeah, I know I know it's – I mean, I don't smoke, but I know it's gone up crazy high now. And, yeah, you're right. And I know – I mean, that's a harder thing I know for a lot of people to, you know, to, to quit that. But it is something you do have to think about. I mean, if you could just, you know, smoke a pack a day and you save $5 a day, that's $35 a week right there. I mean, that's a lot of money. And then, plus, you got to think about the health care. I mean, I know with, we just had open enrollment with our health insurance and if you're a smoker it's like $80 more a month so I mean yes I mean that is you know one of the things that I'm sure people you know want to quit but I mean not only for health wise but financially wise I mean you can save a lot of money so it's just you know when times are tough you kind of have to just throw everything on the ground and just pick up piece at a time and usually the most important things get picked up first and that's what you're working towards and you know some of those frivolous things you know that we've wanted in the past I mean, truly, is it really that important, you know, if you have a Mercedes sitting in the driveway, but yet you're $80,000 in debt and you can't sleep at night and you're pulling out your hair and you're stressed to the gills and, and you're just always <laughs> you're worried? You absolutely right. really cares right. what you're driving. <laughs> and I'm one of those people, I don't care. Like, I, my husband will always point out, like, a Land Rover. Or something. I do not care. As long as it gets me to where I need to go and it's not, you know, pieces are not falling off while I'm going down the road, I do not care what it looks like. I can right. drive a hatchback, a minivan, a coupe. It doesn't even matter. Well, but, um, I mean, when you have it all at once, it doesn't, to me, it doesn't give you anything to look forward to either. I mean, like I said, I mean, I'm like, you know, most people. I mean, if I see something nice, I want it. But, you know, maybe that is something that I can work towards. And, you know, we always look at it right now. You know, our daughters are three and six one time in their lives. We will never, ever get this moment back. Twenty years from now, if I want to save up and buy a Porsche, well, you know what? Maybe I'll be able to if both of us are working. But right now, it's so important for us to continue living the way we are living. And, you know, people have come to me before, and they're like, you know, gosh, you guys, you know, you must not have any fun. You must, you know, you don't ever spend any money. You don't get to do anything. But then I kind of tell them the, the complete opposite. I said, you know, I actually, my life is fun because I have the freedom. I have freedom to have a job that I enjoy, even though it doesn't pay much, and be able to have my wife stay at home and raise our children. That, wow. to me, is freedom. Freedom isn't yeah. living in a 5,000-square-foot home that I really can't afford. And then you got to work 90 hours a week to pay for it. And you get to come home after you get out of work. And enjoy your family. 
Right. Yeah, I mean, you know, my my six year old. I mean, she, she's of the age now where she sees that her friends do have more, you know, things than she does. And she has asked me in the past, you know, Daddy, why, uh, you know, why do they have a bigger house or whatever? And you know, I explained to her, I'm like, we've made this choice to have mommy stay at home, and you know, I get to go to. She actually goes to the school that I teach at, so I get to drive her in the morning. And I said, you know, we that's kind cool. of value this family time together, and that's kind of what we put first. I said, you could have more things. I said, but you know, I'm not going to be able to teach at your school, and Mommy's going to have to get a job. What do you want? And she always comes back and says, I just love that you're at my school and that Mommy gets to stay at home. So it's kind of, you know, with our kids, too, we try to talk to them openly about that, too, and explain, not just tell them no, but kind of explain why and the decisions that we have made and why we make them to, you know, have the family that we have. And like I said, I mean, my lifestyle isn't for everyone. I mean, there might Mm -hmm. be listeners that say that's crazy, and that's fine. I mean, you know, I'm not telling anyone to to be like, you know, what I'm doing, but just for our family, it's what's right for our family. And that's what you kind of have to look at, too, what is right for your family. If it's important for you, you know, to have more money, to take vacations and to do those things, then that's fine. I don't have a problem with it. But, you know, my concern is with those people that are just unhappy and they don't know how to get out of it and they want to make that change financially. It's just hopefully to give them some hope and show them that they can do it. Well, I don't think that, you know, what you described is really out of the norm. I mean, it, you really inspired me to look into my finances a little bit more because Amen. of the fact that you sound you sound just content in what you're doing. And then with this day and age with so many people who just want to hustle so hard to make money to buy so many things, and even people with children, it's like, I want my child to have the best, I want my child to have everything, and they're just buying all these insane toys and going on these crazy trips and doing all this stuff. But at the end of the day, you know, the lights are getting ready to get cut off or the car note hasn't been paid yet or you're robbing Peter to pay Paul you you're making sense to me. So, I mean, and then you're teaching your child at the same time what's important, priorities. And obviously right. in your family, finance and money is not one of those big issues. It's, it's togetherness and, you know, being, you know, together. So just, I'm I'm motivated just by you saying that alone. Now, well, what so I really... You know, that's the thing. Well, I really want to... Well, kids, you know, the thing with children, and, you know, we're in that society now where we're signing our kids up for dance classes at three and we're spending all this money, but really deep down inside, they just want your time. I mean, Mm -hmm. that that is kind of what I've discovered. And, you know, now that it's getting close to the holidays, you know, I try to tell people, you know, around Christmas time, let's start at the age of six to say when you're 18. Name all the Christmas presents you got. And, you know, for me personally, I can name like two presents that I got from the ages of six to eight. <laughs> yeah. I know that I received hundreds and hundreds of presents, but I only remember two. But if you ask me, where were you on Christmas Eve? What did you do on Christmas Day? Who did you eat dinner with? I can tell you that. And I think, yeah. you know, it kind of left an example for me that, you know what, hopefully when, you know, my girls as they get older, they're not going to remember that, you know, at five years old they didn't take the $500 dance class or at three years old they didn't have the big bouncy house, you know, birthday party. But mm-hmm. what they're going to remember is that we were we were always home for them, we were able to spend a lot of time to them, and we did a lot of fun things together as a family. Now, what I really want to know is what made you decide that you need to put all this in a book? What, how does that uh, come about? Well, it was actually the urging of a few colleagues, and this was, you know, when Tracy um, was working too. They said, gosh, you guys really have it figured out financially. You should write a book. And I honestly didn't think 
too much about it. And then it was, you know, like a year down the road, and at that time we had Ava, and Tracy and Ava were out of town. And I just, you know, I said, why not? I'm just going to sit down and start it. And then over a few months I completed it, and I really just thought it was cool to have my words on paper to show to people. And someone suggested to submit it to a publishing company, and I did, and they accepted it. And then like a year later the book came out. But, um, you know, once I realized that the book was going to come out, I started doing some more research and there's a study that I cite in my book that the National Education Association did, and it shows that 50% of teachers quit the profession within five years, and that was partially due to low pay. But at the same time, there was a general social survey done, and teaching ranks among the top ten most gratifying jobs. And from my experience of you know being in the classroom, then leaving the classroom for money, and then coming back in, I kind of wanted to show my colleagues that, you know what, you know, chasing a, a dollar – you know, yes, it may bring you contentment and it may bring you some happiness, but, you know, for a lot of us, the reason we do get into teaching is, you know, truly to make this world a better place and, and to help kids and to teach them. And, you know, when you're doing it for that, you really can't put a price on it. And I kind of wanted to show them that you can still have a job that may not make a lot of money and still do okay financially. Wow. Hey, Dan, wow. you know, I just wanted to ask you a question real Um, I had, you know, I've – um. I actually know several teachers, and the amount of work that you all put in in the office or in school and out of school during the summer with education, trainings, and everything, I mean, is it – do you ever get worn out and tired and, you know, you, you just want to, you know, say, you know, okay, you know what, maybe – I mean, I enjoy teaching, but is it really for me, all the, all the effort and all the – Right. I know what you're saying. Well <laughs> – the the hard thing right now, and there are times, not because of being a teacher, because I mean that's I love being with the kids and teaching, but just the paperwork. It, it has just gotten to <laughs> the point right now where we, even being special ed, and I knew going into it that probably would be the case, but it just there's a lot of paperwork that's involved, and right now with the testing and everything, it. it the hard thing with education is a lot of the leaders look at it like a black and white issue. And if anything, education is definitely the gray area in between. There's usually not one extreme to the other. And I think that's the hard part when people that, you know, are in charge of you, you feel like that, you know, they're may make, they're making decisions that they're, they're not as knowledgeable as some people in the classroom that should be give, being able to give their input. So mm-hmm. that, I think if you talk to most teachers, that probably is the most frustrating aspect is that, you know, just some of the decisions that are made at, you know, not even at a state level, but even higher level, they, you know, sometimes they don't make that much sense. And, you know, we just kind of still have to do it because that's our job and, you know, mm-hmm. we're told what, the, what we have to do. But when you kind of analyze it, you're just like, oh, that really isn't the smartest decision, but you just kind of have to roll with it. And, you know, when I face those kind of days, I just realize, you know what, I'll do what I have to do and, you know, still try to get that enjoyment and and realize why I am a teacher. It's for the kids and it's to teach them. It's, you know, and when you kind of analyze it like that, sometimes you're, you're able to kind of, you know, I guess overlook some of the mandates that are put on us. And in your second, do you think that you're going to, put this information out there that maybe they will take a look at it and change things? You know, I I mean, I hope so. I mean, I think if more and more teachers, I mean, it is getting to the point now where I think the education system with these new documentaries coming out and everything, I think that, 
you know, something will probably start happening. I know, you know, right now with the election, I think we're going to have to let that cool down maybe in January. But I do think there are some changes coming down the road to the education system, which, you know, I think will improve it. And not just for teachers, but for the students, too, because, I mean, that's ultimately who we're there for, the students. And there are times that I have to do things with my special needs students that, I mean, they honestly, it doesn't make sense. I mean, there's some testing mandates put on me that, you know, I have to teach them certain skills that some of them can't even go to the bathroom on their own, but yet I have to teach them about invertebrates and vertebrates. I mean, it's just what? some of the things, yeah, it's just it's kind of crazy. Like I said, it's a black and white issue a lot of times. So mm-hmm. it just gets to be, those are the frustrating things when you kind of feel like what you're doing isn't impactful and you're not getting the best out of your students, nor are you getting the best out of yourself. But, mm-hmm. you know, I think it's just with almost any job. There's, you know, sometimes in jobs there's a little BS you got to put up with and you just do it with a smile on your face and, you know, tr- try to get the most enjoyment out of it. Okay. Now, back to, um, you know, how you, you maintain your finances in the household. With your wife um, working at home, well, you know, being with the children, has she ever felt the need or has she ever felt obligated to maybe take up, I don't know, like an Avon trade or some work-at-home trade where she can bring some small income into the home? Um, she's actually um, pretty crafty, so she actually does um, make some banners and stuff for people, like birthday banners, and she's actually made some purses and stuff. So she does, every now and again, she'll bring in some extra income, and, you know, we'll use that maybe just, you know, if we wanted to go out for a bite to eat or, you know, something like that. But, I mean, she worked, like I said, for those four years before we had children, and, you know, we kind of earmarked that money for this time. So, mm-hmm. you know, there really isn't any, you know, too much guilt going into it, and because, She's so good with money, too. She always watches how she's spending. And, you know, like I said, with her saving at the grocery store, that's almost, you know, in a way like her having a job because it's giving us extra money. So she just does things like that to try to cut back on, you know, our expenses, to which in turn puts more money, you know, back in our bank account. Okay. Now, are you having any um, upcoming events where you're going to be speaking um, in regards to your book or just in the subject matter at all? In your area? Actually, I mean, well, tomorrow night here in uh, in Georgia, it's in Gwinnett County, um, I'm actually speaking at a library from uh, 7 p.m. to 8 p.m., so I'll be doing that. And then in, it's November, let me think, 18th, November 16th in uh, Coffee County, Georgia, I'm doing a financial presentation as well. So it, those events are on my blog, too, so people can kind of see those. Okay. And what is your blog address so that everybody can go to that? Um, it's www.dannykofke.com. Dot blogspot.com, so D-A-N-N-Y-K-O-F as in Frank, K-E, um, dot blogspot.com. Or if you just, you know, usually if you do a Google search, my name, Danny Kofke, the first thing that comes up is my blog page. Okay. Now, um, are, your book is for purchase right now, isn't it? How much is it for? And we it can is look nine- at that. It's nine ninety nine. It's available on my blog page. It's on Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, so a few other places too. Okay. Well, I don't know if you're familiar with any uh, social marketing or social media, or whatever. But I would really suggest that you you do some webinars because, I mean, you just really get me captivated. I wish we had more time because I'm over here taking notes and stuff. Yeah, it keeps my mind. I know, and and it's just the fact that someone could just sit here and just say, you know, that you, you're capable of doing this is just taking the time out and giving yourself some discipline. It 
it's astounding because so many people don't know that it's easy just to put some money to the side and just to cut down your spending. Everybody's trying to keep up with everyone else. And the fact that you sound happy and, and you have a beautiful family and the pictures and stuff that I've seen online, you're living a regular life, but you're right. doing it with less money. And I want that. I mean, I, I know a lot of our <laughs> listeners want that. So, right. Well, you know, we've been tricked into thinking, you know, that that we need all these things. And it was, you know, great. It was a few weeks ago I was reminded of this. Um, I was talking to, to a person that was from uh, Senegal in Africa, and he moved here, I don't know, it was like the year 2000. And, you know, we were just kind of talking about his country and, you know, growing up huts and they shared everything. And he said 90% of the people in my country want to come to America. And, you know, I said, why is that? He said, because of the dream that in this country you can truly be anything you want to be. But he said, secondly, even if you have a minimum paying job, let's say, you know, whatever it is now, 7.25 an hour, whatever, depending on where you are, because mm-hmm. you still have enough to be able to buy a small, you know, to live in a small apartment of your own and have a small television to watch TV on. And I, you know, I never really thought of it like that, but coming from someone, you know, where he came from, where, you know, dirt poor, I mean, you know, nothing. Yeah. And I thought about that. I'm like, you know what, you're absolutely right that, you know, if you, you can. And I think that that's the big thing is just finding that contentment in yourself. And, you know, someone like him, you know, if he lived in, you know, maybe a 300-foot, square-foot apartment and had a that's small, you know, 12-inch TV, he would be happy. <laughs> and I think it's just based on that perspective. And, you know, I'm, I'm not saying that's for everyone, but it just kind of was interesting, and it kind of brought me back to realize that, you know what, we really do have a lot of great things in our country, but yet a lot of people are always trying to get more. And I think, you know, I think it's great to go for more. I think that's what makes us, you know, the greatest country on earth and the hardest working but I think at times we also have to take a look at what we do have and kind of show some appreciation for that and not always be focused on accumulating more. You know what? I really want to thank you so much for coming on the show. I mean, you just, you know, gave our listeners just so much hope that they can still, you know, be financially ambitious but at the same time financially logical. And um, I, I strongly suggest you guys check him out. And it's Danny Kosky, uh, Kosky at blogspot.com? Or dot blogspot.com. Dot blogspot, okay. Okay, thank you so much. I really appreciate it, Danny, for being thank on the show. Thank you guys for having me on. It was great. Thanks so no much. Problem. I definitely appreciate you, Ren. Yes. Yeah, you're awesome. <laughs> give our love to Tracy and the children. <laughs> like I'm a part Will of your family. Do. Thank you. <laughs> Have a good Bye. night. Thank you, too. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye. Okay, so uh, you guys, I mean, you feeling like you, you want to say, put some pennies to the side? I mean, I feel oh, like it's man, time. Oh, man, I feel some, bad. I feel bad. First of all, yeah, because I, I just put my cell phone out there. Day. You, oh, you went out uh, to lunch today? Yeah, I have no idea. idea. <laughs> you spent that much money on a cell phone bill. $215 I mean, every month? I'm telling you, after I saw my sprint every month between... Nine to maybe $189 a month, I said, no. And when this contract is out, I said, I'm going to find something nice, that's practical, and I can do what I want to do on it. Mm-hmm. And it's cheap. I pay $45 a month right now. Well, if you guys are didn't hear the whole show, Danny uh, gave us some tips about writing down what you're spending to get an idea as to where your money is going. Um opting to uh, take lunch to work instead of going out to lunch every day, 
um, putting some money to the um, to the side, maybe investing it into an IRA or something where it can earn interest and you can get some money back from it in the long run. Um, he said he he rode the bus to work. I mean, not the bus, but he rode his bike to work for a while because they only had yeah. one car. I mean, these mm-hmm. are the type of things that we we take for granted. And you know what? And it's, it's individuals like him that at the end of the day are going to still be able to go on vacation. They're going to still be able to get plasma TVs if they want to. And while, you know, everybody's still pinching pennies at 68, you know, 69 years old, I'm hoping that Social Security kicks in. And I don't know about y'all, but I don't, you know, I'm not waiting on that. I can't depend on that. And we really we really need to do yeah, yeah. I'm young. I'm young. It's it's because like things going, going it might there. not be there. Exactly. So and we really need to stop depending on on the system to, to fund our family lives, you know. And he just said that. You know, he they're not on any type of federal funding as far as assistance goes, the food stamps or SNAP or whatever you want to call it. They're not on that. And you know how many people depend on that just to get by? And then at the same time, are still buying luxury cars and expensive clothes and stuff? We really need to be more realistic as to where our money is going and what we're doing with it. Because I believe, and this is, this is me talking real, I was raised in a family of two parents in the household, and they both live paycheck to paycheck my entire life. That's all I know. I don't know about saving. I don't know about investing or anything like that. My my parents live paycheck to paycheck, and they still do. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, where does it stop? He's showing his children the priority is family. It's not money. It's not finance. It's not luxury. And we probably need to be more mindful of that, you know, nowadays, especially when everybody is struggling and everybody's, you know, wanting. And what, what are we wanting for? It's to keep up with what? It's not going anywhere. I don't know. I'm just, I'm really, I'm happy that he came on the show, but I'm really mad at myself. <laughs> I need to get it together. Yeah, it's like you got to do some rethinking. You got time to change. Revamping. <laughs> exactly. And it's not going to happen overnight, people. I mean, step by step. I believe that if you've never saved before, just put 5 or $10 to the side every time you get paid. You know, you wouldn't believe that after a couple of months you are, you are almost have half of $100. You know what I'm saying? It's like you're getting closer. And every step closer to a goal is a, is 300 steps farther from where you were. And we always have to take that in consideration. It's not going to be instant gratification all the time. And we also need to stop being so swipe happy and being so um, payment plans and layaways and all that stuff because that costs costs money too, especially, you know, getting furniture from errands or putting, you know, a plasma TV on your car. It's like in the long run, if you would have just paid cash, you would have paid a lot less um, than you did. And that's exactly what he was talking about. But you guys go ahead and check out his book. It's Danny Kovke, and he's the author of How to Survive or Perhaps Thrive on a Teacher's Salary. And go to his blog spot. He said Google him. He's been all over um, CNN. He was um, he was on a couple of places, uh, the CBS Money Watch. He was on Fox Business, Wall Street Journal, ABC News, Yahoo Finance. He's been everywhere. So he was nice enough to come on my show. That should tell you something about my show. Um, <laughs> and talk to us about finances. So I just want to yeah, say thank he's, you. Yeah, he's, he's captivating, though, man. Yeah, I mean, right. just sitting there listening to him 
Well, he's like, a teacher. Wow. He just has that teacher voice. It's like you got to pay attention. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I really appreciate him being on the show. And I thank you all. Um, check us out. Thursday we'll be doing an interview with the authors of The Virgin Diaries, Kimberly Johnson. And um, this weekend we have a lot of events coming up. We have the African American Men's Health Forum going down on Saturday um, at the Arthur Ashe Center. The guys from GapToDiva.com will be there. I can't guarantee that I'll be there, but you guys will be there. You men, you can handle it. Yeah, Bouillerville will be in the building. Yeah, I'm not trying to go to that. Um, You know, for all the listeners out there, they may want to, before you go, go ahead and register at www.cancerhealthforms.org. Uh, you'll be able to go ahead and register there. So when you come in, you'll be able to uh, go ahead and quickly do what you need to do. And, and this uh, is a free event, ladies and gentlemen, or gentlemen. Um, this is, is a free, free event for you. And, and it's free parking also, also right? By the AARP Virginia Lunch is also uh, lunch and breakfast will be served. Lunch and breakfast? Yeah. Lunch, lunch and breakfast? Yeah. Oh, okay, I'll be, yeah, there. I'll be there. Yeah, lunch and breakfast was served last one at the Women's what? Health Forum. I didn't get any mm-hmm. breakfast. But anyway. Okay, <laughs> So this is a free event at the Arthur Ashe Center here in Richmond, Virginia, for all those gentlemen out there. This is something that benefits you. I mean, you get to network, parlay with a bunch of gentlemen, all that camaraderie and fellowship that you guys do, chest bump, pump your fists in the air. And um, you get to also get information about health and men men empowerment, because the last one was about women empowerment, so men empowerment. Also, um, on Saturday, we are going to be going to the Monster Ball uh, thrown yeah, by Jason Mouth. Yes, <laughs> and this is Ultra Ralph. We're going to the Monster Ball, so everybody get your costumes together and go there. You know the females are going to be half naked. Please, let's just be mindful that, you know, everything doesn't have to be shown. And if you have kids at home, let's just be careful not to put that bad image in, in their heads um, before you leave the house. Leave some to the. Imagination, ladies. Be, be more creative. Be more creative and stop putting lingerie <laughs> on as a costume. Um, also, uh, I, like I said before, we have a lot of slots open, especially for music. Um, any genre will be accepted. We're looking for all types of musicians or artists, and it doesn't matter where you're from. We will promote your music and play it on the show. Just make sure you send me all your information if you have a press kit. If you don't, you can still send me a bio, some pics, and some MP3s to gap2diva at hotmail.com. I'm also taking submissions for um, videos and questions from anybody who wants to promote themselves as well. And we're also looking to do some promotional videos for businesses, local businesses in the area, and um, local events. Um, like we cover events, we review them, and we tell everybody why you're one of the hottest events in the Cap City and surrounding areas. So please hit me up. Facebook me, um, facebook.com slash Gap2Diva, or Twitter, be my Twitter friend, or twitter.com slash Gap2Diva. Um, and always, please make sure you go to the website, www.gap2Diva.com, and subscribe so that you can get emails. Every time I make a post, it's going to come straight to your email, so you'll be the first to know what I said. And who doesn't want to be in the know? I want to thank my co-host, Chris Alves and Bouye Vela, for being on the show tonight. Thank you for tuning in to the Baddest Creative Motivation. This is Gap2Diva. I am out. I hope you guys behave yourself, and I love you. Bye. I'm a, 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 I